You may be a high flyer and mega successful in the world of business. You may be a mega mother. You may be a brilliant musician. You may be a technical guru. You may even be a political genius. But if you have truly met with God, you will know that before Him, you have nothing to offer. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. And Colin, if we've truly met with God, we're going to have nothing to offer him? Yeah, it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Because uh, we start from the place often of thinking, well, I want to offer something to sure. God. You know, here I am and I'm offering myself. But the reality is that a real relationship with God begins with the recognition that I need to receive everything from him. And really, I have nothing to offer back to him. And that's what it means to be poor in spirit. And when you begin your relationship with God there, which is what being humbled in repentance and faith is really all about, then you have a recognition from then on, what do I have that I did not receive? If I offer my whole self back to God, I'm only giving back to him what he first gave to me. And so we're really at the core of how a true relationship of faith with God through Jesus Christ begins. And that's what the Beatitudes are all about. And uh, there's no place to start quite like the beginning. All right. So let's open our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, and begin the message, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Here's Pastor Colin. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For here's why there's is the kingdom of heaven. And simply today, in the first part of this, as we're trying to get the what of these words of Christ, I want to look at the challenge, the blessing, and then some very simple applications. First, then, the, the calling. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What is Christ calling us to here? What does it look like to be poor in spirit in real life? Poor, of course, we understand that means you don't have much. Poor in spirit then means that you realize what you lack, that you know that you don't have what it takes, that your hands, as it were, are empty rather than full of what you think you bring, that you have nothing to offer. That much is fairly simple. The real question, of course, is what does it look like in real life? So suppose that the most gifted player in the high school football team is a Christian and is walking according to the words of Jesus. Does this mean that when this guy turns up for training at the beginning of the new season, he is in some way to be saying to his coach, well, you know, um, I'm not sure that I've got very much to offer to the team, and uh, maybe really the coach should be picking someone else. Is that what it means? A person comes for a job interview, and uh, at the end of that interview, the prospective employer says, uh, famous last question, now tell me, why should we give you this job? Is that Christian applicant to sit there and say, I'm not really very sure, I... I I don't know if you should. I mean, there are probably a dozen people who could do it a lot better than me. Is that, is that what it means to follow the words of Jesus? If that's what it means, we should do it. I, I, you'll be glad to know that uh, that is not what the word of Jesus means. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it look like in real life? Poor in spirit very simply means that you recognize your poverty before God. 
Jesus is not speaking here about men and women in relation to each other. But he is describing what a person feels, what a person knows when he or she is face to face with the living God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, then, is the first mark of a person who genuinely walks with God. You may be a multi-talented sports superstar. You may be a high flyer and mega successful in the world of business. You may be a mega mother. You may be a brilliant musician. You may be a technical guru. You may even be a political genius. But if you have truly met with God, you will know that before him, you have nothing to offer. That, of course, is what one of the most talented people who ever lived before the time of Jesus Christ discovered. I'm thinking about Isaiah. What a marvelous ministry he had. He was a preacher. Uh, Here was a man who was known and was celebrated for his marvelous ministry, the silver-tongued prophet. If Isaiah was around today, people would be cramming into conference halls just to hear him speak. And if he was on Twitter, he'd have millions who were following his oracles there, right? And here's the testimony of this most gifted man that would have been celebrated in his time for his many, many skills. He says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, and he was sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his robe filled the temple. And the seraphim around him were calling out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the foundation shook, and smoke filled the house. And I said, Isaiah, the most talented man of his time, woe is me, I am lost. Well, if Isaiah the prophet's lost, where does that leave the rest of us? You see what Isaiah is saying to us? The world may see my gifts, my talents, but before a sovereign and a holy God, when I really got to know him, when I encountered him, I had a totally different view of myself. And I saw that I've got absolutely nothing whatsoever to offer when it's in his presence. And isn't it interesting that Isaiah had been in ministry, preaching, for quite a long time before this happened. But at one point in his life, coming before God with this intense proximity, God drawing near to him, it changed his view of himself fundamentally, and that changed view lasted with him a lifetime. I'm asking you this question then. Have you come close enough to God? Has God come close enough to you so that you have come to see that at your best, 
However much you may be celebrated for your various gifts and successes by others, at your best, you've come to see that you are bankrupt before him. Or is the truth that God is at such a distance from you as only a vague belief that such a notion has never really pressed itself in upon your own soul? Think about this. Pride can only really live in the soul of a person at a great distance from God. Pride puts its foot to the gas pedal, if you like, to get as far from God as possible because pride cannot exist in the presence of God as Satan himself before the beginning of time quickly found out. When God's presence came down to the temple, and of course it happened again in Isaiah's vision in Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember when the presence of God came down, smoke filled the temple? Have you ever been in a building with smoke? Ever been caught in a fire? Can you picture this? The presence of God, the smoke of God's presence is coming down into this temple. And pride staggers out of the soul, coughing and spluttering because it cannot live in the awesome presence of God. That's what happened to Isaiah. And the result of it was that the man became poor in spirit and entered into a place of the knowledge of the blessing of God in a profound and in a wonderful way. And so what we're seeing here is that to be poor in spirit really is uh, the very first mark of a person who lives close to God. Pride is always the mark of a person at a distance because pride itself cannot exist long in the awesome glory of the presence of God. The presence of God, the smoke of his presence is always suffocating. Pride. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and a message called Blessed Are the Poor in Spirit. It's the second message in our series Momentum, which is all about how we make progress in the Christian life. And if you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can always come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org and you can stream the program or download an MP3 for free. You can also listen on the go if you have the Open the Bible app, which is free, and you'll find that at your favorite app store. We'll link you to it through the website. Again, that's openthebible.org. Back to the message. Here is Pastor Colin. So here is what we are learning. Whatever your position in this world, whatever the talents and the success that God may have given to you, uh, however celebrated you are in different spheres of life, you are in entirely a different position when it comes to God. The gifted footballer does Uh, have a talent to offer to his team. And of course, he'll be celebrated at the school and he'll be offered scholarships for college and all the rest of it. But when he stands before God, if he has any knowledge of God at all, he will know that he has nothing to offer there, but only stands before God in his need. The gifted graduate has a talent to offer to her company. She graduates cum laude or better. And she's fast-tracked for a promotion in the early years of her career. She will draw the company of other gifted people. 
She'll be a hub, a sort of a center of influence. But before God, if she has really come to know him at all, she will know that however much attention she receives and however celebrated she is by so many other people, she stands before God in all of her need and ultimately has nothing in her hands to offer. You have something to offer to your family. You have something to offer to your company. You have something to offer to your friends and to your team. But if you walk with God, you will identify with the Apostle Paul when he asks the question, what do you have that you did not receive? Where did these talents come from? How did they end up being in your life? Uh, where, who gave you all of this success? What do you have that you did not receive? And since all that is in your life that may often be celebrated by others is the gift of God and you know it, how can arrogance ever stand with head held high in the presence of God as if I somehow had something to offer him where what do I have that I did not receive? Let's move second to the blessing. We've looked at the calling, but that's only the first half. Look at the blessing here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, here is this amazing statement of the Lord Jesus. He says, of the people who know that they have nothing to offer before God, he says, now, they are blessed these people who are so aware of their own lack, their own need, their own inability to produce what God calls them to. These are the very people, Jesus says, who are blessed. This is where blessing from God begins, Jesus says. To be poor in spirit, it is the gateway blessing to all of the others that we'll be pursuing down through this series on the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without this, no other blessings are within your reach. This is the gateway. This is the only place that any of us can begin and the one place where all of us must begin. Now, did you notice here that Jesus speaks about heaven in the present tense? Did you notice that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, heaven is future, is it not? So we might expect Jesus to say, there's will be the kingdom of heaven. But that is not what he says. He says there's is the kingdom of heaven. And it's all the more striking. If you look down the rest of the Beatitudes, you'll see that consistently they are, the rest of them are all in the future tense, except the one that you would expect to be in the future tense, which isn't. It's in the present. The rest are those who mourn shall be comforted. The meek shall inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. But when it comes to this, Jesus says, blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Present tense, now. So Jesus is talking, that this is huge as you begin to open your mind up to it, Jesus is talking about a taste of heaven that you can have right now. Present tense. Now you think about that, you begin to scratch your, your head and, and you say, well now, 
Boy, life in this world is such a long way from heaven, isn't it? So in what way can I have a genuine taste of heaven now, this week? Think about heaven. What comes to your mind? Streets of gold? We ain't got that now. Redeemed people made perfect? We ain't got that now. The lion lying down with the lamb. The nations waging war no more. Every tear wiped from our eye. We haven't got any of that now, right? So what taste of heaven do the poor in spirit have now? I'm going to give you a scripture that is well worth knowing, marking, learning, and hiding in your heart. It is one of the great, great scriptures in all of the Old Testament from Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 15. And it says this, Thus says the Lord, who is high and lifted up. Of course, that's the same phrase as is used earlier when Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord in the temple. He's high and he's lifted up. He inhabits eternity and his name is holy. He inhabits eternity. So that's heaven. What does he say? I dwell in a high and holy place. Heaven itself. But also with the one who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. That is staggering. The sovereign Lord of the universe who is exalted in the heaven of heavens, high and lifted up, And Isaiah, who gives this word by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saw his glory and it made him feel his own utter bankruptcy in the presence of God. And now this God who inhabits the glory of heaven says, I want you to know that not only do I live in heaven, the high and holy place, but I live with the person who has a contrite and lowly spirit. Heaven is to live with God, right? And the poor in spirit get a taste of it because God comes to live with them. So if you want to move beyond a vague religious belief in which God remains at a distance from you, if you want to have a felt awareness of his presence in your life, in all that you face this week. This is where you must begin. If you feel your need of that, this is exactly the very scripture that you need to hear today. God makes his home. He dwells, that's the word, with the person who is poor in spirit. Heaven is in the humble before the humble are in heaven. So there is a wonderful blessing here today for the person who has come to church and you are feeling overwhelmed by some challenge. Perhaps no one else here knows about it, but you do and God does. And you've been saying to yourself, I don't have what it takes. And you don't know how you're going to move forward from here. 
You know that what God is calling you to right now is beyond the range of your own talents and your own ability. The circumstances of your life have brought you to the very place where you are what? Poor in spirit. You see that you've not got it. And Jesus Christ himself says, Isaiah 57, 15, I will dwell with you. I won't just come near you in a service and then leave you this week. I will walk with you in this. I will live with you. I will presence myself with the one who is of a lowly and contrite spirit, who knows her need, is aware of his lack. There is such a blessing for the person who came here today and you have felt overwhelmed by temptation, it has probably led you to fail in this last week. And you say, I just don't know what to do with this stuff. It seems like it comes at me in waves. And it feels too much for me. And do you see what is happening? In the mercy of God, the very temptations that seem to overwhelm you are bringing you to the place of hope, the place where you are poor in spirit. You're saying, I don't have what it takes to beat this. And Jesus Christ comes to you today and he says, I will dwell with you 24-7. You don't know when and what's going to come at you this week, but I will walk with you in it. You will not be alone. There's a tremendous blessing here today for the person who has really messed up. Your sin has found you out. And the enemy of your soul who told you that there was no harm in it is now telling you there's no hope because of it. But if your failure should lead you today to a place of genuine humility before God, if your sin should should lead you to the place where instead of arrogance before him, where you're always asserting yourself, there's a humility of spirit that is now birthed by his grace out of this very failure. I tell you, God can use the sin that would have led you down to hell to help you find the path to heaven. What a thought. God using our sin to lead us to heaven, to lead us to himself. Well, today's message is leading you to Jesus for the first time. If you're ready to confess your sin and begin a relationship with him, I hope you'll contact us here at Open the Bible. You can call and talk to one of our staff members about beginning that relationship with Jesus. Our number is 1-877-OPEN-365. That's 1-877-673-6365. And if you do know Jesus, well then looking at our sin is actually the first step to keep us growing in the Christian life. And that's what our series, Momentum, is all about. If you ever miss a broadcast in the series, you can come and listen online. Our website is openthebible.org. Well, Open the Bible is a listener-supported program. We're able to be on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to send you Pastor Colin's book, Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes. And Colin, what can we learn from the Beatitudes? 
Well, the Beatitudes are the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ on how to have a blessed life. And who wouldn't want to pull up a chair and listen to the Son of God tell us how we can be blessed? That's what's laid out in the Beatitudes. And here's the wonderful thing. The Lord Jesus tells us not only what it means to be blessed, but how we can actually pursue the blessing of God in our lives. So if you're looking to grow in your Christian life, you want to know more of the blessing of God, well, there's no better place for you to look than the Beatitudes. Well, we would love to send you Pastor Cullen's book called Momentum, Pursuing God's Blessing Through the Beatitudes as our way of saying thank you for your financial support this month. You can give over the phone by calling us at 1-877-673-6365 or online. Our website is openthebible.org. Again, the phone number is 877-OPEN-365, and the website is openthebible.org. For Pastor Colin Smith, I'm Steve Hiller. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. This program is a listener-supported production of Open the Bible. Where does God live? If you're like most people, you'd probably say heaven. Find out where else God lives next time on Open the Bible.